Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today, the message that I'm going to be sharing today is entitled, The Loud Crowd. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. Can't you tell it? I can feel it. Can you tell it? I can. The Loud Crowd. Yeah. Well, um, First of all, let me say happy birthday. Happy 244th birthday to the United States of America. You may see that I'm, I'm dressed. Yesterday, yesterday was the 4th of July. What a wonderful happy birthday, America. I tell you, I am so proud to be an American, uh, 244 years old. You know, the birth of our nation is not calculated from the year 1492 when Columbus hit the shores. The birth of our nation is not calculated from the year 1547 whenever, you know, the eastern seaboard was, was dotted with a few settlements from, uh, from those who uh, came along uh, uh, and, and, and came this way. It's not, you know, uh, it's not calculated from 1607, uh, Jamestown, or from 1619 when the first slaves from Africa came to our nation. It's not dated from 1621 when the pilgrims got here. It's not dated from 1775 when we, as, 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 uh, as a group, processed our first war, you know. Uh, we, we literally sent the Marines uh, to Libya. Isn't that amazing? 1775. Uh, it, it's not, you know, uh, calculated from 1783 uh, with the uh, uh, Treaty of Paris. And, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, supposedly uh, all the recognition for the United States of America was official on that day from other countries. It's not even calculated from 1789 with the Continental Congress and, and the ratification of the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights uh, and, and, and the unanimous election of, of George Washington as the first president of the United States. Rather... Our nation, the birth of our nation, is dated from July the 4th, 1776. A very special day. The date on which 56 of our founding fathers signed their names to this Declaration of Independence, pledging their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors. They decided that day that they were going to be free. Independence Day is not the day the war ended, by the way, as many people might imagine. It's the day the war began. It's the day the war began in earnest. You see, Independence Day is the day that you decide to be free. Often, trouble comes. Often difficulties rise and continue to rise, and we will get back to this statement in a moment. But if you'll turn your Bibles with me to the New Testament Gospel of Matthew in chapter 27. While you are finding Matthew chapter 27, let me just tell you that I am proud to be an American. I am. No other nation on earth has been able to produce and maintain a single form of government for as long as the United States of America. No other nation on earth today has a government that has lasted longer than our republican form of government. 
No other nation on earth today has produced and celebrated the vast number of heroes from such diverse backgrounds across the races from every economic strata, both men and women, young and old, citizen and foreigner. None has produced as many as the United States of America. None celebrate their heroes from all walks of life and from every background more than the United States of America that has made room for every culture, custom, race, ethnos, to have heroes and to raise up people that we are proud of. No other nation on earth today provides such a fair system of judicial prudence where a person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Travel with me around the world and you will take that note. No other nation on earth today has such a fair system so that criminals are prosecuted, convicted, sentenced, and jailed without regard to their estate or their position in society. From Bernie Madoff to Charles Manson, from O.J. Simpson to Jeffrey Epstein, from Timothy McVeigh to Janine Jones, our nation's system of judicial prudence works. No other nation today can say that a person can enjoy such equal protection under the law and equal access to services and benefits and the right of redress and the right of appeal by public protest, by peaceful acts. No other nation, I have been in those nations, I have lived in other nations. I can tell you I'm proud to be an American. In what other nation today can we exercise such freedom of speech and enjoy unfettered freedom of worship as we choose, where and when and how, and worship who we choose? What other nation on earth today can a person maintain their rights to bear arms? Can they feel secure from self-incrimination and even have legal counsel afforded them by the state if they cannot afford it themselves to feel secure as well against unlawful search and seizure of their persons and their papers, their houses and effects. I don't know of another nation. I don't know of another nation where we are exempted from self-incrimination and afforded legal counsel to where we have the right to fair and speedy trial by an impartial jury of our peers to where we have a right to be faced by our accusers and to present evidence in our own defense. Think about it. Think about nation after nation after nation. Everyone wants to visit or move to America. It's the dream of a lifetime to be protected from cruel and unusual punishment and to have the right of appeal. I could go on and on and on with the reasons I'm proud to be an American. Much like every human being, our nation has struggled since birth to do better. To better itself and to grow from the challenges we have faced, the mistakes we have made, and the victories we have won. And I think that we are on a great trek, and we have come so far. We have room for improvement and under the ideals of our Constitution and within the framework of our laws. The laws which govern every one of us, we are guaranteed that despite the current interruptions, America will continue taking each next step towards the destiny that God has planned for us. 
You see, God governs in the affairs of men. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I have lived in other countries for extended periods of time, and I continue to work in nations throughout the world, nation after nation, year after year, for over 40 years. And I can tell you that I am very grateful for all of you who pray for and boldly support the brave men and women who continue to keep our nation free and our families strong. Amen. You might say, Pastor, is this a political statement? If need be, but I don't, I don't fall into a political group. I'm neither a Republican or a Democrat nor an Independent. I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled, Bible-toting son of Almighty God. I believe that sin is a reproach to any people. I believe that God is against a lot of things we see around the world and in our nation, and I believe He is for a lot of things we yet need to do. I told my grandson yesterday, we were eating, I believe, at uh, dinner yesterday evening, and I told him, I said, if you ever find a perfect person, give him your soul. Follow him unquestionably. Die for him if need be. I, for one, have found one. His name is Jesus. And he yet has a work to do. Thank you so much for boldly supporting and prayerfully lifting up our national leaders, our executive, legislative, judicial branch. They need it. They need it every day. They need it in every way. We have a president. He is the only president we have. We better pray for him. We have a Congress and Senate. They are the only congressional and senatorial legislators we have. We need pray for them. We have judges, a judicial branch today. They are the only ones that we have. We need pray for them. We cannot afford just to be angry with them or to just disagree with them or to somehow count them as our enemies. We need pray for them, for I have met men, and indeed I am a man, who met Jesus Christ on my Damascus road, and it changed my life forever. It changed what I think, it changed what I feel, and it changed what I want, because it changed what I believe. God bless our national leaders. May God have mercy on us and save their souls. God bless our first responders, the red, white, and blue. Pray for and boldly support them. The thin red line, our firefighters. The thin white line, all of our medical personnel, and the thin blue line, our cherished police and law enforcement officers. They are the best in the world. Bar none. No other nation can claim such a strength and such a loving, caring group. Our armed forces. 
pray for and support our armed forces. We need to continue to be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Those who have served and those who are serving, give them a hand. Our national military, those among us who have served, God bless you. God bless you for standing for us, not only in these United States and our borders, but also all around the world, doing our best to bring not only democracy, protection, but also the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and a hurting world. Happy birthday, America. I believe that our greatest day is yet ahead because of our rights, which include things that you may not agree with, but thank God that America stands strong enough to weather every battle and to come out of the other side better and not bitter. I refuse to allow a few loud voices to separate me, my family, the church that I serve, the community that I love, and the nation that I would give my life for. Amen. Now remember I told you, I told you I would get back to the statement that Independence Day is the day that you decide to be free. Well, look with me now in Matthew, the 27th chapter. Let me give you the setting of where we are going with the Word today. This is late at night, maybe early in the morning, night in the morning time, probably on a Thursday night, Friday morning, okay? In the springtime, late March, early April, of the year A.D. 30. I believe it's probably A.D. 30. Could be 29, could be 31, but it's probably A.D. 30. In Jerusalem, Jesus, the Son of God, Savior of the world, the Messiah, who came to show us God, to reveal God to us in our world. He came like us. He came in the image of flesh so that he might destroy sin in the flesh and he might show us what God would do if God was one of us. He showed us how to walk and talk and act and live and love and care and meet needs and, and you know, uh, live a quiet and a peaceable life and with godliness and you know, humility. He taught us how to endure. He taught us how to pray. But here he's at the end of his earthly mission. Here he is in just the last day of his earthly life. In just a few hours, he will be crucified. He is being brought up before Pilate, the governor of Judea. Well, Roman governor, because he was under Roman law, because the Roman Empire governed Israel during that day. And Jesus, as he, you know, would tell us and the Holy Spirit would confirm through other New Testament writers that we should obey every ordinance of man. And so he found himself subject to the laws of man. He found himself humbly submitting himself to restrictions, even like paying taxes 
He supported these things. But now he's been arrested and he's been accused. And there are witnesses against him. And their testimonies, even though passionate, and even though in part truthful, nonetheless paint a picture and describe a very toxic narrative that's only going to serve to inflame a crowd of people against him. Pilate wants to let Jesus go because here the witnesses that are accusing him, that he, he finds nothing worthy of, of you know, continuing to hold Jesus to, or you know, put him in prison or much less execute him. And, and so he, would, he really wants to let him go because you know, he's, he's not a part of that problem. He's not a part And he doesn't want to be a part. But yet, he's going to play a vital part. Life has called him into a situation that he does not want to be in. And that he's not even sure why. But he's not really wanting to weigh in. As we go through this story, we're going to see some different characters. Let me tell you who you are in this story today so that you can have perspective. You are Pilate. Just keep that in mind. In setting up where we're going in Matthew 27, it's at the place where Pilate... um, He really wants to let Jesus go, but he doesn't know how without upsetting his constituency. He doesn't really know what to do because any decision he makes is either going to go against something in his heart or something, you know, uh, that, that, that may cost him later or else it's going to, you know, in some other way, find him in trouble. So he thinks and he comes up with an idea. Okay, this is the Feast of Passover. And there is a custom that at the Feast of Passover, you know, uh, the, the Roman governor gets to set free one man who has been accused. And even if he's guilty, I get to pardon one person. It is, it, 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 it is a show of good faith to the community. And, you know, that, 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 that the Romans aren't all bad, you know, that, that, that government's not all bad. And so we get to let go one of your prisoners. Oh, great. He's thinking they're going to let Jesus go. How can I make sure they let Jesus go? Because I really want to let him go. How can, I, how can I, you know, load this up in my favor? I know. I'll look around and I'll find one of the worst criminals that is incarcerated here in Jerusalem. Oh, I see him. Barabbas, he's a murderer. This is a murderer. Surely no one would want to release a murderer into their streets. Surely no one would want to let this criminal out of jail. They know what he's done. They know what he's capable of. And here Jesus on the other side, he's just been being nice. He's just been, you know, I mean, Jesus is not, I mean, you know, he hadn't supported everyone's cause because he has his own cause. 
and his cause is God's cause. So he's neither been a Pharisee nor a Sadducee nor Herodian, and, he, and, he's, and, he's, and he's not really a Roman, but he, he, you know, I mean, he peacefully coexists with everyone, and he's doing good, and he's feeding people, and he's healing people, and he's helping people. He always says a kind word, and he's encouraging them you know, uh, to, 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 to live quiet and peaceable lives. He's encouraging them to pay their taxes. He's in, I mean, he's, he's, he's doing everybody good. Even though he's known no one's side, he's on God's side. At least that's what he says. So since it's customary to release one of the prisoners, you know, Pilate just found a weak way out. Now remember, you're the Pilate. Okay? That doesn't mean your story has to end up like his. Because life is filled with choices. And every time we read a Bible story... God is hoping we can find ourselves in the story. And God is hoping that we can, if necessary, do exactly what that person did or don't do what they did. That's the lesson of the Bible. So, this was Pilate's way out. Verse 20, Matthew 27, verse 20. Reading from the New King James Version. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What? 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 What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called your Messiah? Christ. The anointed of God. They all said to him, let him be crucified. Well, people say some stupid stuff whenever they're all been all stirred up, don't they? When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Wow. Now, there are four key players in this account. There's Pilate, who is the governor. We're going to call him the decision maker. That is a place where we often stand in life a place that we don't ask to stand, a place that we had rather not stand, especially whenever we cannot fully agree with anyone's cause or any one side or the other, especially when we're at a place, for example, when, when, uh, when I do not agree with the Republicans and I do not agree with the Democrats and I don't agree with the Independents and I don't agree with the Socialists and I don't agree with the Anarchists and I don't agree with the, <laughs> with the Marxists and I don't agree with the, you know, with the Communists. And I, you know, I mean, uh, but it's not hard to stand here, okay? I just want to agree with him. This governor was a decision maker. This is you in the story. The second key players, the priest. These were the persuaders. You can read the story fully. They were agitating everyone. Why? Because they cared about? No. They only cared about power and prestige. You know, they were concerned. In fact, Pilate even caused them envious. They're just agitating, aggravating, irritating, stirring up. Then there's the people, the multitude. They're just pawns. The multitude's always a pawn. This is the loud crowd. 
in every place. Stirring up the loud crowd, those like at Ephesus. 25,000 people in Acts 19 filled the theater in Ephesus because of these silver makers, the head of the silver making, the, 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 the silversmith guild in Ephesus had went around stirring up everyone and telling partial truths because Paul had turned their city upside down and they had stopped making money because no one was wanting to buy idols anymore. But Paul, not one time, the Bible says, did Paul blaspheme their God or steal anything or take anything away from their temples. But nonetheless, there were agitators in that day that agitated 25,000 people that filled the theater. I've stood in that theater many times in Ephesus and wondered how in the world did they get 25,000 people? It, 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 it fits 25,000. How did they fill that up at nighttime so quickly? And the scripture says in Acts 19 that most of the people did not even know why they were there. But yet they were all screaming. They were all screaming so loud that, that the, the, the Roman business administrator, the city manager, came out and finally got them to quiet down and said, Listen! Listen! You're going to get in trouble with the Roman government for, for having an unlawful assembly and just screaming and, and, and tearing things up. Listen, they were, and, and, and the Bible clearly says they did not, the multitudes, the loud crowd did not even know why they were there, did not even, but you know, same thing here with Jesus on trial. Late at night, on a Thursday night, early in the morning, on a Friday morning, this one man who had done good, this one man who had loved everyone, this one man who was doing you know, exactly what God wanted him to do, and yet the loud crowd was screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They didn't even know him. They knew nothing about him. They didn't know how long God had been working on a plan to save their souls. And the fourth person, key player in this is Jesus. Jesus is the Savior of the world. But the priest had formulated a toxic narrative to describe Jesus Christ. Part true and part lies, but all aimed at trying to destroy him. And it stirred up so that the people... The people who were screaming, crucify him, those precious people that Jesus came to save, those precious souls, not even know what they were saying, yet they believed in their heart that Jesus was a villain. Why? It's because all that they heard about him was that he was a villain. He was a villain. He's a bad man. He's a blasphemous man. He's a villain. He's a villain. He's a villain. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's worse than a murderer. He's got to go. And then there's Pilate, who is left to make the decision. Who will he listen to? To whom will he bow? Of course, we know that Jesus was the best thing that had ever happened to mankind. And although he did not support their causes, he included everyone in his cause. He did good. He brought healing to the multitudes. He fed the poor. He encouraged them to do right, to treat their neighbors right. He was called the Prince of Peace, but that was not enough. 
for the political leaders of his day, the high priest, the Pharisees, who had tried for years to trick him and trip him up and destroy his credibility and take away his good name. All they wanted was power. Pilate knew the leaders were envious. He even said that they were envious. They're selfish, he said. And it was evident that they could never do what Jesus had done. It's evident that they could never accomplish what he had already accomplished. It is evident that they were not going to feed the multitudes. It was evident that they were not going to encourage civil obedience. However, the loud crowd had been agitated and they would just not quiet down. They would not listen to reason. They were just being used by those who stood for personal gain. The priest did not care about these people. They were only a means to an end. Pilate's attempt to remain neutral was weak and pathetic. Listen to me, I'm talking about you. There was a right. There are a lot of wrongs, but there's only one right. I hear people say, I know how to do it right because I, I, I don't got it wrong. No, you just know one way to do it wrong. There's probably a million ways to get it wrong. There's only one way to get it right. You only know right whenever you know Jesus Christ. You only know right whenever you are doing what God says do. When you're standing up for him. As I said, Pilate's attempt to remain neutral was weak and pathetic. He knew that Jesus was a just man. He knew that Jesus was innocent of the charges. But when the loud crowd became more aggressive, Pilate caved. Instead of standing up for what he believed, instead of standing up for that still small voice he had heard, brought to him by his wife who had a dream the night before, that still small voice. You see, God's will seldom, if ever, comes in a loud crowd. The prophet Elijah showed us that, hiding in a cave, running for his life, confused about whether he was the only one or not. God said, I have 7,000 that are standing for me. He's hiding in a cave, running from the loud voice of a woman named Jezebel who said she's going to kill him. He had just called fire down out of heaven. Now he's afraid. The Bible said he was looking for God. That's the picture they give to us. He wanted a word from God. And, and there came thunder and there came lightning and there came, you know, this, this, this great loud crashes. But he, you read the story, read the account. But God was not in those loud voices. God was not in that loud thunder or that lightning. And yet, where did he find God? In the still, small voice. He was looking for God. But where he found God is where Pilate missed God. In the still, small voice, in the counsel of his wife. Read the account there in Matthew 27. Instead of standing up for what he believed, he washed his hands of the matter. 
Why? Because he did not want to lose favor with the crowd. He had a chance to be the voice of truth and reason, but he lost it. Once he believed that he could not prevail against the loud crowd, they were just getting louder and more demanding. He just bowed to the pressure. He caved and he just let them have what they want. That's never a good idea, by the way. Never in history and never in our future and not today. Sad truth is Pilate could have gone down in history as a supporter of Jesus Christ. We don't know what the story might have been like, but instead he turned out to be a wimp. He decided with the loud crowd against all that was right, just let them have what they want. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll shut up. He bowed to the pressure to conform. He bowed to the few loud voices instead of standing up for what he really believed himself. The Bible tells us what he really believed. But he, and, and, and he had the power to make it so. But he missed it. He just went ahead and chimed in with those who were against Jesus, and he never experienced his own personal Independence Day. You see, Pilate could have gone free that day, but instead he became a slave to the loud crowd. He was captured by public opinion. He was surrounded that day, and he ended up going down on the wrong side of history. And history has a way of repeating itself, by the way. Uh, look where his compromises took him, verse 26. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now listen, you can't wash your hands of stuff like that. Do you notice he, Pilate, released the murder? He didn't wash his hands of it. He, Pilate, scourged Jesus. He, Pilate, delivered Jesus to be crucified. It's a pure shame to see what happens whenever you back up and just let the loudest voice have their way. Verse 27, then the soldiers of the governor, his soldiers, took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped Jesus and they put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Verse 30, then they spat on Jesus and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. This is what an angry, loud crowd does. And they don't even know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said. Don't you remember Jesus hanging on the cross? said, forgive them, Father, because they're mixed up and confused because they do not even know what they are doing. They don't understand what they are doing. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. And that has got to be my attitude. That should be your attitude. We should be like Christ. We should not be angry on the other side, vengeful, unforgiving, hateful, bitter. But little can we allow any side or any cause except the cause of Christ to become our master. Independence Day 
is the day you decide that you're going to be free. Let's not forget that Peter also that night denied Christ. Let's not forget that Peter also bowed to the loud crowd that night in fear of his life and, and concerned that, that, that he might not be accepted, he might be hurt. Let's not forget that the apostle Peter, who had walked with Jesus for three and a half years, that night caved to the loud crowd. It can happen to the best among us. It doesn't have to be a pilot. It can be Peter. The difference between the two is that Peter later repented and recovered himself and gave his life for the cause for that still small voice. Today I encourage you to go free. Freedom is just one decision away. Don't allow the world or loud voices or politics to pressure you into championing any cause right left, middle. Don't pledge your life to anything except Christ and Him crucified. And in each and every decision, decide that you are going to be free from every voice but God's voice. And God is not going to tell you to hurt anyone. He will encourage you to pray and to love and to forgive and to call upon a good Savior and to believe and hope in a better day and to not think that the loud crowd is the only voice. It's not. If need be, God can thunder from heaven, but let it be God who thunders. Amen. Amen. God bless America. Father, we're not in an easy day today, Lord. America has been divided for so many years over so many things. And Lord, today, Father, there are a lot of loud voices and a lot of agitators, Lord. And they, unfortunately, as history has shown, those that would like to destroy are not the same as those that would like to build up and change. Lord, divide between the cattle and the cattle, between, Lord, the water and the water, Lord. Not just between the sheep and the goats, but between the sheep and the sheep, Lord. And help us, Father, to see, Lord, those, God, that are just bent on tearing something up, Lord. And God, Lord, those that are hoping, Lord, and working to make meaningful progress, Lord, step by step. Lord, forgive those, Lord, and God, save the souls of those, Lord, that are just, uh, Lord, at, at, at their wit's end, Lord. In anger and rage and hurt, Lord. And sadness and brokenheartedness, God. Lord, uh, God, and, and those that are believing, Lord, such a toxic narrative, Lord, that has done nothing, Lord, but, but tearing up and tearing down, Lord. God, there is a way, Lord, to make things better, Lord. There is a way, Lord. God, show us that way. God, as for me and my house, Lord, God, and as for the church, Lord, God, I pray, sir, that we would always be your champions, that we would be people, Lord, with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
with our shield of faith, Lord, with a helmet of salvation, with a breastplate of truth, and Lord God, uh, Lord, with, with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, armed with all prayer and supplication, Lord. And God, that we would go forth, Lord, with beautiful feet, bringing peace, Lord, and declaring your word in the name of Jesus. Save souls today, Lord. Those that don't know you, Lord, call them to your kingdom, God. Lord, if they'll just call upon you and ask you to save them, Lord, it'll change what they believe, Lord, change what they think and they feel and they want, Lord, because they'll start wanting and thinking and feeling what you do, just like what happened to me, God. Lord, let it happen in their lives. I thank you for it, sir. I ask your blessing on us all, Lord. Keep us healthy and safe. Open up our country, our nation, the world. Bless our economy. Strengthen our nation. Bless our families, Lord. Keep our families together. Keep our families strong. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you, sir. Amen. Amen.